All right, hey, first thing I want you to do, first thing I want you to do, look around you real quick, find someone good looking. All right, when you find someone really good looking, look right, don't everybody look up here. There's other choices. Look, find, look, when you find them, look right at them, tell them this, tell them the rest of your life. All right, that was horrible. Look at your second choice real quick. Okay. All right, how about this? Just point to yourself. Point to yourself. Say the rest of my life. Uh, you sound better when you start talking about yourself. <laughs> Say will be the best of my life. Now, if you've ever heard me before, you've said that before. And if you haven't, I'm going to get you to say it a few times today. Because what you continually hear, you'll eventually believe. You know, if you hear your whole life, you'll never make anything yourself. Eventually, you might start believing that. But if you keep hearing the rest of your life will be the best of your life, pretty soon you'll start believing that. Today is an incredible day. Why? Why? Because it's today. And this is the day the Lord has made. That's what it says in, in Psalms 118 verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So I'm going to talk to you about how to make today count. You might as well make today count. You might as well make today great. It took you your entire lifetime to get to today. So why not make the most of it? Think about it. It took you 19 years to get to today. 48 years to get to today. 29 or so years to get to today. However old you are, it took you that long to get here. Why not make the most of today? Today is really all you've got. Someone said, that. They said this just isn't my day. I said, really, no day is your day. They're all his days. Someone asked me, I said, don't you ever wake up grumpy? I'm like, sometimes, you know, sometimes I let her sleep. <laughs> but... It's really a choice. It's a choice to rejoice. And, and so when you begin to celebrate that and make it, now, I, listen, you say, well, he sure is a little positive. That's just, it's a choice. That's a choice, too. I mean, I wasn't born. How many have to work at being positive? How many have to work at it? Be honest. Yeah, I have to work at it every day. I was born a pessimist. I mean, even my blood type is be negative. You know, so, I mean, it's not like it's, it's easy, but it's a choice. It reminds me of this uh, couple, they had twins, two, two boys, looked exactly alike. I mean, you could not tell these boys apart. They were identical in the way they looked. But that was the only thing. Everything else was completely different. I mean, if one was hot, the other was cold. If one was, uh, the TV is too loud, the other one thought it was too quiet. Everything else was completely different. Uh, one was an optimist, one was a pessimist. And the dad thought, you know, their birthday was coming up. He thought, I'll play a little trick on them, you know, a little uh, experiment, you know, and see how, how they respond. So he went into the pessimist room and he filled up his room with all kind of games and toys and video, just all kind of fun stuff. Went down to the uh, optimist room and in his room, he just put a big, pile of horse manure. He said, I'm going to see what they do. So the pessimist woke up, found all the gifts and toys and started crying. <laughs> so why are you crying? He said, oh, dad. He said, all oh, my friends are going to be jealous that I got all this stuff. It's horrible. Half of it needs batteries. The other half uh, got to read instructions. This is just horrible. All of it's going to break eventually. This is just miserable that I got all this stuff. Dad couldn't believe it. He walked down the hallway to see how the optimist had responded. Walked in his room. He's laughing, throwing manure everywhere. He's like, what in the world? What are you, what, what are you so happy about? He said, Dad, with this much manure, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> so a lot of times it's your response. It makes all the difference in, in the world. This is the day that the Lord has made. There's something to be thankful for today. Now, I'm not saying life is going to be perfect, but there's always something to be thankful for. The Bible said, in everything give thanks. In everything? You mean in the, in the tough times and the things that go through that are, that are hard? In everything. As I travel around the world, one of the first things I try to learn is the word thank you. 
because it just, it opens up people's hearts. I mean, just a kind heart, a thankful heart, an attitude of gratitude can really make all the difference. Open doors, establish relationships, just thank you. I was just in France not long ago and I, merci, merci. I was in Indonesia. In Indonesia, it's teramakasi, teramakasi. I kept saying teramasu. <laughs> they kept bringing me dessert. Anyway, um, if you're in South America, gracias. Yeah, if you're in South Florida, gracias. But uh, uh, it's amazing how thankful a thankful heart can make a difference. Like I said, I'm not saying life's going to be perfect. I mean, life's never perfect. How many, how many have ever been on an airplane that hit turbulence? Have you ever been on an airplane that hit turbulence? Okay. What did you do when the airplane hit turbulence? Prayed. Prayed. <laughs> yeah, you could pray. Maybe buckled up, held on. Let me ask you this. When the airplane hit turbulence, did anybody just get off? No, you can't get off. You just hold on. You ride it out. We're all here. We made it, right? Same thing in life. How many have ever hit turbulence in life? Things got a little bumpy in life. What do you do? Same thing. Pray, hold on, buckle up. You don't quit. You don't say, I'm out. Life's too tough. You don't say, you got to go through some storms. The Bible promises that. John 16, says, in the world you will have trials and tribulation and distress and frustration. And you're going to go through some things in life. I was on the plane the other day, and a lady sitting next to me, we were talking for a few minutes. She's like, I've never flown before. I'm like, okay, it's okay. I'm on the plane. <laughs> and so we talked for a few minutes. I fall asleep pretty quick. So the plane took off. I'd fallen asleep. And about 20 minutes into the flight, we hit some turbulence. And she got nervous. She started hitting me. She goes, hey, hey, wake up. I said, huh? She's like, do something. I said, what do you want me to do? She goes, I don't know, aren't you like a preacher? <laughs> I said, yes, I'm like a preacher, but I'm not like a pilot. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do. She goes, I don't know. She goes, just do something religious. <laughs> so I got up and took an offering. <laughs> In the world, you go through these trials, but it says right after that, but be of good cheer. I love that. Be of good cheer. He said, I've already overcome the world. I've deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. That's good news right there. And I can't think of any better place to be on a great day like today than at Potential Church. How many love your church? How many love your church? Man, what a, an amazing church. I tell you what, I travel all over the world. I tell everyone, I said, what God is doing at Potential Church. I just love your church. I love all that's happening. And I love your pastors. How many are thankful for Pastor Troy and Steph? And uh, they are just great leaders. And the whole team here is just, just fabulous. So it's always an honor. I just love the, the kindness and the hospitality of, of the team. And everything's just been wonderful since I've been here. I love it. The hotel is great. The pillows were fluffy. And I barely could get that one in my suitcase. I think it was so fluffy. I got on the elevator last night at the hotel. And a and, uh, lady got on the elevator. She, goes, she looked at me. She goes, you know, you look just like my third husband. I was like, wow. It's like, how many times have you been married? <laughs> she said twice. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's, it's a good night. It's a good night. Here we go. Here we go. Um, it's a brand new year, right? We're still in February. It's a new year. People are still excited about, about things for this year. How many believe in this will be a great year for you? How many believe in that for a, for a great year? I mean, as a coach, I work with a lot of, you know, we probably 50% of what we do is in the corporate arena with uh, corporations, network marketing, uh, athletic sports teams, that kind of thing. And, and, and just working with people on their goals for the year. And, you know, people all make their resolutions, you know, the 
top three resolution. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exercise more this year. It's always a big one. We're still in February. There's probably still people at the gym. I went the other day. It was packed. It was horrible. I left. I went to Dunkin' Donuts. Lots smaller line over there. But, uh, uh, you know, you may be exercising more. It may be uh, losing weight. That's always one of the top three things. People, I'm going to lose weight this year. And that was one of mine, too. I'm going to lose weight this year. Then I saw a T-shirt the other day. It said, fat people are harder to kidnap. <laughs> I'm like, hold on. i got to protect myself, you know. Um, people want to do better with their finances. That's always a, another one. So everyone's got their goals and things and, and things they're really expecting. How many have got some things you're expecting for this year? I mean, you've got some expectation. Expectation is important. I want to talk to you about that just for a few minutes because I, I think, you know, what you're expecting from this year is a really important question because your answer to that question really sets the level for what you'll receive this year. I mean, if you expect a little, you'll probably just get a little. But think if you expected a, a, a lot. I mean, what if you expected more? Think how much more could take place. I believe we could literally change our world by changing the level of our expectations. Here, here's the thing. Anything you expect with confidence will become your own self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, like if you say, oh, I didn't expect I was going to get that job anyway. I didn't expect that loan to go through. A lot of times you get what you Expect. So if you think little, if you believe little, if you pray little, if you uh, ask little, you probably receive little, even though God himself is able and willing to do big things. How many believe with God all things are possible? How many believe that? Yeah. So why aren't we thinking bigger? I mean, you could limit God and what God's able to do in your life by your own low expectations. So how do we elevate our expectations? The good news is you don't have to settle for little. I mean, if you don't like the way your world is, you could change it. You can start believing bigger and thinking bigger and praying bigger and, and asking bigger and expecting bigger, and you probably will start receiving bigger. You, you might as well dream a big dream. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but uh, big dreams attract big people. And if we really believe, I mean, here, here's the thing. It doesn't take any more energy to dream big than it does to dream small. So why not dream big? Why not believe that with God all things are possible and the things that are in your heart, the desires and the things that you wish to accomplish really are possible? As I work, like I said, with a lot of athletes and things like that, the thing I find, the biggest difference between super achievers and those that just kind of get by is a lot of times the size of their dream, the size of their thinking, what they really believe is possible. I love what Michelangelo said. He said, the greatest danger for most of us is not that our dream is too high and we miss it, but that our dream is too low and we reach it. It's really powerful. You, you've got a dream so big that it'll take you your entire lifetime to fulfill it. So here we are. We're dreaming big. We're believing this is going to be a, a great year. We're expecting, how many expect this to be your best year yet? Yeah, I mean, it starts so much with your expectation. I mean, do you expect it to be a great year? So how do I make this a great year? I started thinking about that, and I'm like, man, that, that could be a little overwhelming to think about how to make this whole year great. So I started breaking it down, like to a month or, or even to a week, or, or what if I could just have a really good day? I mean, just a, a really good day. You know what they always say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So how do you have a great year? One day at a time. So how do I make today great? There's three things I think are important. Here, here's what the Bible says. And I was wondering, could there, could there really be like just a, a great day? How could you just have a perfect day? Because all you got to do is figure out how to have a perfect day and repeat it seven times. And now you've got a good week. 
Think about that. All you got to do is have four of those, and now you got a good month. Twelve of those, you got a good year. So if we could break it down to just a good day, what would be the, what would be the things that would be the ingredients or the things that would be important to having a really good day? Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 18. You also find it on your note card there. And um, Proverbs 4 verse 18 says, but the path of the righteous is as the dawning light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Wow, the Bible talks about having a perfect day. So how do I make the most out of today? How do I make today count? How do I make today great? There's three things I think are real important to really building a great day or having a great day. And number one, uh, I want you, you got to own your day. You got to own your day. You got to take responsibility for your day. You can't blame everyone else for all your problems. I mean, my day is my responsibility. What each of us do with our days is really up to us. At the end of the day, you can't blame your, your spouse or your kids or your boss or, you know, it's, it, it's the government's fault. It's the economy. How many know someone who always blames other people for their problems? How many know anybody? Don't point at them, but you know what I'm talking about. It's always someone else's fault. It's that new president. It's his fault. It's always, we can always blame someone else. I thought about this the other day. You know, Donald Trump is being, being the president now. You think about this. What if someone pulled a gun on Donald Trump? What do you think the Secret Service would say? Donald Duck. Okay. So anyway, here, here's the. We could always, we could blame this person, blame that person. We could always blame someone else. Or we could take responsibility for the things that we need to change, the things we need to change in our life. I was getting my physical the other day. Doctor said, Dave, you need to lose 25 pounds. I'm like, well, that's Krispy Kreme's fault. It's easier to blame them. I'm not the one that made that red light flash when they're hot. How many of you ever had a donut when that red light's flashing? Let me see your hand. You ever had one of those when they're hot? It's the flames of hell. That red light is horrible. <laughs> Run away. I mean, I could be minding my own business. That light starts flashing. It's distracting. I'm like, my mind's telling me no, but my body. I can't. I, I'm in there covered with glaze. How'd this happen? But here's the thing. My decision yesterday to eat the donut got me to the place I am today, 25 pounds overweight. So my decision starting today begins to shape my tomorrow. So if I'm going to own today, if I'm going to make the most out of today, I've got to take responsibility, whether it's in my relationship, whether it's in my finances, whatever area of life, I've got to quit blaming others and take responsibility. It's like a guy gets pulled over by the police. Police said, your car was swerving a little bit. I'm going to need you to take a breathalyzer test. The guy said, oh, officer, I'm sorry, I can't take those. He said, what do you mean you can't take a breathalyzer test? He said, I've got asthma, bad asthma. If I breathe in a breathalyzer, I could have an asthma attack. If I have an asthma attack, I could die. If I died, it'd be your fault. <laughs> officer said, that's horrible. I don't want to be responsible for that. How about this? We'll get in the car, we'll go down to the station, I'll get a blood sample from you. The guy said, oh, I can't do that. He said, why can't you do that? He said, I'm a hemophiliac. He said, if you stick me, I'll start bleeding. I can't quit bleeding. I could bleed to death. If I bleed to death, I could die. If I died, it would be your fault. The officer said, that's horrible. Okay, okay, fine. Um, how about you just step out of the car and walk down this white line right here? The guy said, ah, I can't do that either. He said, why, why can't you do that? And the guy said, because I'm drunk. <laughs> A lot of people have a lot of excuses, right? This person's fault, that person. But, but if you're going to do anything great, if you're really going to own your day, you got to take responsibility. Here's the thing. You are not a victim. 
You're not a victim. I, and, and I know a lot of times circumstances in our life may have been difficult. Times have been hard. Sometimes um, you don't have control over the circumstances or the situations or the things that happen to you. Yet you've got to learn to master them or else you'll spend your whole life being controlled by your past experiences. Nelson Mandela, the great leader from South Africa a couple years ago, uh, passed away. And leaders came from all over the world to celebrate this highly respected, uh, influential man. And that for Nelson Mandela, it would have been easy for him to be controlled by his past. I was in South Africa, went to Robben Island where they kept him in a prison cell for over 26 years. Uh, certainly he could have came out of there. Uh, the, the, these things were, that had been done to him beyond his control, beyond his circumstances. He could have been upset, he could have been angry, he could have been bitter, but yet he came out and he chose to rise above the circumstances, rise above what it, the unfairness, the hurts that had been done to him, and he chose to make a difference with his life, went on to win a Nobel Peace Prize and, and really make a change in an entire nation. So sometimes you find yourself in these hard times, these difficult situations, but when you take a good look, sometimes you'll find it's your own choices that got you there. Sometimes it's, like I said, beyond your control, but many times it's just us deciding to rise above, to take ownership of our life, of our day, of what happened to us and move beyond it, whether it's, like I said, extra pounds or, or a, a relationship. No matter what it is, you're, you choose your outlook for the day. You choose your outlook. I wrote a quote in there. It says, the, the, uh, in your notes, you'll see it. The most important factor in determining whether or not someone is happy, a happy person, is the outlook they choose for themselves. Your whole life will be colored by the way you choose to look at the people and the circumstances around you. Have you ever noticed that two people can look at the same person and see them completely different? You ever notice that? You see them one way, someone else sees them completely different. A situation, a circumstance. You're looking at it one way, someone else is looking at it completely different. Girl brings her boyfriend home to meet her parents. They walk in the house, kids got crazy hair, piercings, tattoos all over. Mom says, ooh, honey, come here for a minute. He does not look like a very nice young man. That's the way the mom saw it. Daughter sees it completely different. She goes, he's a great young man. He's given 200 hours of community service right now. Sometimes it's all in how you look at it. I told that joke the other day. This big guy came up and he had tattoos all over. He goes, you against tattoos? I was like, no, Pastor Troy. I'm not, I'm not. He said, do you have any tattoos? I said, you wouldn't put a bumper sticker on a Ferrari. <laughs> it's all in how you look at it. It's just all in how you look at it. So, so every day is a choice. It's your responsibility to own your day. How do you own your day? You own it with your words. You can own your day with your words. It's amazing. How many believe your words are powerful? Words are, yeah, of course our words are powerful. The Bible tells us that. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. It says you eat the fruit of what you say. It says your tongue is like a rudder, which means it, it's directing or charting the course of your life. So what you say, what you're speaking or declaring over your future, wow, is, is powerful. It amazes me how many Christians speak such negative over their life. Oh, this job's never going to get me anywhere. Dead end. It's, my spouse is never going to change. And we start speaking. We should be speaking death over like sickness and poverty and, and things like that. Not over the things that should be beneficial 
to our life or a blessing to our life. Be careful because your words are powerful. We've all said things that hurt people. People have said things that hurt us. So we all have felt the power of words. So what are you declaring and speaking as you take ownership of your day? Your words are powerful. Reminds me of a, a couple just thinking about the power of, of words. Had been married 25 years. 25 years together, they were celebrating their anniversary. So they went to the same place they'd went on their honeymoon 25 years earlier. Got the same room, same suite. I mean, they were just reminiscing 25 years. They'd had some good times, some, some tough times, ups and downs. But hey, they were still together 25 years. It was awesome. The husband kind of laid his head back in his wife's lap, and she was running her fingers through his hair, you know, what he had left. 25 years, he, he had glasses on. She took his glasses off, looked down at him, and she said, you know, honey, without your glasses on, you look like the man I married 25 years ago. He looked back at her and he said, you know, honey, without my glasses on, <laughs> words are powerful. That's all I got to say about that. So be careful. Be careful what you what you say. So take ownership of your day. I name my days. I, I name my days. I, I speak over. Today you'll be a day of productivity. Today you'll be a day of rest. I, I speak life over my, over my days. Adam had the, in Genesis, had the responsibility of naming all the animals. That was his job. And when he spoke, he spoke life into those animals. He spoke what they would become by the words, by the name that he spoke over them. And so I believe the same thing. We can speak over our days of what they will produce and what they will become in our life. So number one, first thing, you want to have a good day, you want to make today great, take ownership. Take ownership of your, of your day. Number two, number two, order your day. Order your day. I think that's important. Order. Uh, God is a God of order. That's why when you get things in order, you feel good. Order means to have a plan. Have a plan. I got a plan for my day. Most of us don't plan our day. We don't even know what we're going to have for lunch. How, let alone how we're going to plan our year, plan our life. We don't have a plan for today. I did some speaking for Mary Kay Cosmetics, and I was studying some things about Mary Kay. And one of the things she would do every day is she would plan her day. She'd write down six things I'm going to do today. She'd prioritize them. She'd develop in the first thing in the morning her plan for the day. That, I mean, if you have a plan, that really helps you have a more successful life. Uh, here's, here's the thing. You can go to the airport here, and there's planes flying all over the world. But until you decide where you want to go, you're still going to be at the airport. Right? They don't sell your ticket based on where you're at. They sell your ticket based on where you're going. So if you don't know where you want to go, you're still going to be at the airport. And a lot of times we go through life. We don't know where we want to go. I don't like where I'm at. Where would you rather be? I don't know. I just don't want to be here. Lady's like, I want to get out of debt. I said, how much do you need? She said, I need more than I got. I gave her a dollar. Her prayers were answered. How much do you need? When I was trying to get out of debt, I could tell you to the penny what I needed. I had a plan. I had order. When you begin to create order in your day, and like I said, order is a God thing. That's why you feel so good when you put things in order. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, whether it's planning your day or whether it's straightening up the shoes in your closet. Have you, anybody straightened up your closet and felt like you could conquer the world? You know what I'm talking about? Like you, you, you clean your garage. You're like, what else can I do? I can do anything. And you begin to feel amazing. Why? Because you begin to create order. God is a God of order. When things are out of order, disorder distracts. Disorder is distracting. Uh, wrong sequence. People can do the same thing. Do it in the wrong sequence or the wrong order and get completely different results. I mean, one guy gets up in the morning, eats breakfast, gets dressed, drives to work. The next guy gets up in the morning, eats breakfast, drives to work, and gets dressed. <laughs> they did the exact same three things, just did it in two different order, two different sequence, got completely different results. 
One got a promotion, one got arrested. <laughs> so order is, is important. So I try to order my day. Here's a few things. I'm ordering my day. I put into my day. One of the things I do is I block off time to spend with God. And I do that first thing in the morning. I think that's important. I mean, the first thing to do to talk to him is I start a, a new year. These habits of blocking off time as I order my day, as I plan my day. Uh, it's my number one priority is to talk to God. I mean, if I'm going to live a God-first life, how many want to live a God-first life? Putting God first in every area of your life. We give our life to him. And so I want to give my time to him. So I, the Bible says in Psalms 119 that the word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. So it's leading and, and guiding me. It's, it's my roadmap. So I want to do that first thing every day. Another thing I try to do every day is I take time to refresh, to meditate, to, to rest. Um, it helps me to stay positive, to stay productive. Rest is important. I learned this a long time ago. Tired eyes rarely see a bright future. Tired eyes rarely see a bright future. When fatigue walks in, faith walks out. You ever notice when you're tired, you're more easily offended? Something that normally doesn't even bother you, you're a little tired, you're like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> Mountains seem higher, valleys seem deeper when you're tired. So rest, rest rejuvenates, rest restores. So find something that relaxes you. I got a friend that likes to skydive. That's relaxing. I don't find anything relaxing. Put me on the beach. That's relaxing. How many like water? Yeah, that, that, you want me to rest? Give me some water. It doesn't have to be the beach. It could be a lake. Just give it to me. Sometimes I just fill up my bathtub and sit on the edge. <laughs> You know, if you drop those blue things from the toilet in your tub, no, it makes a beautiful blue. It's like, it's like you're in the Bahamas or something. It's just, but here's the thing. It's, it's, so I, I choose to block off some time to, to rest, rejuvenate. I, I, I block off time to give to others. It's important to give and help others. I mean, I'm always looking for a way to, to give. The other day I was, in, uh, I was in Taco Bell and my little boy, me and my little boy were there and there's uh, some people sitting next to us. Oh, by the way, uh, I didn't show you a picture of my family. Oh, they showed you a picture of my family, didn't they? They had that picture of my wife and, and son. There they are. That's my, that's my little boy. And I talk about him. He's the one on the left. Um, <laughs> my wife's the one on the right. <laughs> he came to me the other day. He said, Dad, he said, I was watching the show on TV the other day. And it said, in some parts of the world, men do not know their wives until they get married. I said, son, that's every part of the world. <laughs> anyway, that's, uh, that's, that's my son. That's my wife there. Valentine's Day the other day, she goes, honey, she said, I had a dream last night that you were going to give me a diamond necklace for Valentine's Day. She said, what, is it, what do you think that means? I said, when you open your presents, you're going to find out what that means. <laughs> she was all excited. I gave her, she was ripping the paper off. I, I bought her a book on the meaning of dreams. <laughs> Hope that helped her. But we, we, my, my son and I were at Taco Bell, and the lady next to us was planning a little birthday party, and I was listening to them plan the party, and, and uh, he had 12 friends on his list to bring to the party. She said, you can only bring 10 friends. He said, but I got 12 friends. She said, well, I can't afford enough pizza for 12. There's only this many slices in a pizza, so that's this many friends. And she had it all figured out. Well, he didn't understand that. He's a little kid. He just wants all of his friends to come. And the mom's starting to get upset because he doesn't understand it. He's getting upset because he wants all of his friends. And I'm sure she wants him to be able to have his friends. It, just, it was all a money thing, and they were getting upset. And I'm sitting next to him listening to the whole thing, and I'm thinking I should help. I should do something here. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. I'm a good person. What would, what would a, a good Christian do if they heard about someone like that and had a need like this? And I said, I said, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. 
right? We'll be praying for you. I hope that works out. Here's the thing. Why do I, I don't need to pray about that. Why do I need to pray about something that God's already given me the ability to solve? God blesses you. When God blesses you, he's got a lot more than you in mind. He blesses you to be a blessing. So I remember I had a $100 bill in my pocket. I just took the $100 bill out. I said, excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt you guys. I wasn't eavesdropping on your conversation. I was just listening to it. <laughs> I heard about the party. Look, here's $100. Invite those other two friends. You guys just have a great party. God bless you. And I just turned around and, and walked out because it wasn't about me. It wasn't like, here's $100. Here's my card. Check out my website. <laughs> Follow me on Instagram. Wasn't about that. By the way, you should follow me on Instagram. Just get your phone at Dr. Dave Martin. It's a lot of fun. I promise you will have a good time. But, but here's the thing. So I, I look for ways to give. Look for ways to give every day. I try to learn something every day. I try to learn something every day. I block off time to read, to study. You go to my house, I got over 4,000 books. How many like to be doing better than you're doing right now? Okay. If you're not doing as well as you'd like to be doing, it means there's something you don't know. When I heard that, I went from being a know-it-all to being a learn-it-all. I, I can't get enough information. There's stuff I, I don't know. I try to learn something every day. Last time I was here, we talked about this. If you want tomorrow to be different than today, you've got to learn something today in order to make tomorrow different. So if I'm believing this is going to be a better year than last year, what am I going to do different this year? What am I going to learn different this year? I try to learn something every day. I was signing books uh, at, the, at the last service. I'm going to tell you about a book I got here in a second. But I was back signing books. I learned a new way to spell Sally. I had no idea. There's all kind of way, you know, Amy, there's like five ways to spell Amy. Sean, there's like three ways to spell Sean. Cheryl, is that with an S or with a C? I'm always learning new things. There's a new girl at Starbucks, had a little badge on, you know, trainee. And I was like, that's funny, you know, your mom named you trainee. <laughs> she looked at me, she said, it's Trinay. <laughs> I had no clue. So here's the thing, I, I'm always saying, there's always something to learn. There's always something to learn. So uh, I, I block off time to, to learn every day. I was at a meeting one time, this guy, Peter J. Daniels, wealthy businessman. And, and, and I, like I said, I'd like to be doing better than I'm doing right now. Most of us would. And so I went to learn and grow. And at the end, he goes, I got some books and CDs, told us about all the stuff he had in the back. So as soon as it was over, I ran back there, grabbed my friend. I said, let's go get that stuff. We ran back there. I said, I want everything he's got. You know, the Bible says wisdom is more valuable than silver. It's more profitable than gold. It's more precious than rubies. The Bible says if, if, if you're smart, Proverbs 1 verse 5 says you'll keep getting smarter. That's what the Bible says, Proverbs 1 5, a wise person keeps learning. And uh, I went back and said, I want everything. They said, you want everything? He's got us at everything. They added it up. They said, if you buy everything, it's $1,600 for everything back here. And I was like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know he knew that much stuff. I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting a few hundred, but see, I said, you know what? I'll take it. My friend said, you think it's worth it? I said, you know what? I think I'm worth it. I don't buy books. I think the paper's worth it. I buy books because I think I'm worth it. I mean, if I don't think I'm worth 20 bucks, why would anybody else think I'm worth 20 bucks? It's an investment that you make in, in yourself. And so that's why, that's why I write books. That's why I put them, uh, put them together. This is a, a book I wrote. We do a lot of um, three ways to get wisdom. Number one, you can get it from mistakes, which is the slowest way to get it. Number two, you can get it from others, mentorship, which is a lot quicker. And number three, you can buy it. I mean, you can go to Barnes & Noble. It took a man his entire lifetime to figure out you can learn in three hours for 20 bucks. Well, it took me years to figure out through mistakes. How many have ever made a mistake, by the way? Yeah, the person who's never made a mistake has probably never made anything. I was doing some work with some of the different NBA players and things, and there's a guy named Kobe Bryant. Um, Kobe Bryant in 2014 set the record for the most missed shots in the history of the NBA. 
the most missed shots. What's amazing is seven days after he set the record for the most missed shots, he passed up Michael Jordan for the most points scored during his career. One of the greatest players of all time. They said, how in the world did you do it? He said, well, I just took another shot. Pretty simple. That's where I got the name for this book, Another Shot. He said, you can't let the fear of failure or the fear of criticism keep you from trying again. And so I put this book together on just how to rebound, how to come back. One of the things people always ask me is, is in coaching is, what's the most important thing I can know? I said, the most important thing you can know is what to do next. And so we put this book together called Another Shot. I'd encourage you, if you can only get one thing back there, don't leave without this book. I promise you, it'll, it will it'll really, really help you. And um, it, it's just really inspiring, encouraging. Last year, it was the number one book in personal growth and self-development uh, on, the, on the Amazon charts. So I'd encourage you to pick it up. I love what Evander Holyfield said about the book. And, oh, and by the way, I think that, yo, that put that up there. One of my favorite things about this book is every time you buy a copy, when you purchase a copy of this book, we give a copy of this book to an inmate, someone in the prison system that could really use another shot. And you're helping, um, you're helping a lot of people. When you help yourself, you're going to be helping someone else. We get to help a lot of people. You get to help yourself when you buy this book. We're going to help someone else. And it's going to help me too. So that's just... One of you know that. I just be honest. But here's what Evander Holyfield, the boxer, said about the book. And I'm, I want to read this quote to you. I'm not just trying to drop names. I know Evander Holyfield. I'm not, not a name dropper, but five time heavyweight champion of the world said this about my book. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not. I'm, I've, if one thing I've learned from spending time with Oprah <laughs> is that you shouldn't drop names. But Evander Holyfield said this. He said, It's not getting knocked down that makes you lose the fight, it's not getting back up. We all get knocked down. How do you get back up? How do you get back in the fight? Anyway, pick that up. It's in the bookstore uh, right back here. It's on the top shelves. Top couple shelves are my books. Joel Osteen's are on the bottom shelf. Um, just want to mention that. I saw that last night. I took a picture and sent it to him. <laughs> he said, he said, Dave, you know, it's okay, Dave. I believe I'll rise to the top shelf in every day's. Anyway. Um, so anyway, pick that book up. It'll, it'll help you. It'll be a blessing to you. All right, let me give you the last one. Let me give you the last one. Oh, oh, I almost forgot about this. And this isn't for everybody. This, this is for people like me that just can't learn enough, that just can't get enough. It's one thing to read a book, but I've developed a program. I can't sit down and coach each one of you individually, but this gives me a way to just kind of help walk people through, help coach them through the book. What I love about this book is we're talking about a plan in, in this program here, it's called The Game Plan. It takes the book and we walk through it for 30 days. I coach you through the book. You'll end the 30 days with an actual written plan of what to do next. Whether it's a business you're starting, whether it's a relationship, a goal, whatever it may be. I love it because it gives you a written plan. There's a workbook that goes with it, the personality test in here. It's just a little USB. This little flips out, plugs right in your computer. And for 30 days, I'll spend those 30 days with you every day. I also ask some friends to join me that could help us with certain subjects. Like when we talk about attitude, Joel Osteen actually joins us. He becomes your coach. I'm just trying to help him get his name out there. So I told him he could be on here with me. Um, and he said, thank you, Dave. I no. Uh, but um, that, that's, uh, that's back there. Lee Cockrell, who ran Disney World, all four parks, 18 resorts, 
50,000 employees, 13 years he oversaw all that. I figure he probably knows a little something that might could, could help us a little bit. Uh, uh, Simon T. Bailey, who ran the Disney Institute, just some great friends. If you tried to hire them, it would cost you hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And I got them all to go together and help us and coach us with me uh, and help you. So anyway, if you'd bought this whole program on our website or tried to buy the big box set it comes in, it would cost you about uh, $300 for the whole 30-day program. You also get the ebook on here. You get the audio book of me reading the book. Um, but anyway, I made a, the, the USB. You can get the whole thing. We just brought about 30 of them. I have no idea that maybe 10 of them left. I have no idea. The smartest people will be the first ones back there to get it. But um, uh, you can get the whole thing for just $100 today on the USB version. So that's like less than half price. Say thank you. You could at least be grateful. Remember we talked about that earlier. But, um, oh, it, 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 watch this video real quick. You can see kind of how, how the thing works. And people say, how do you, they coach with you? What does that mean? I'll show you this real quick. And, uh, and then I'm going to give you the third point, And then I'm going to pray for you. All right, watch this. Welcome to the 30-day game plan. A game plan for rebounding in life, a game plan for winning in life. I'm Dave Martin, your success coach. Why is my attitude so important? Your attitude is so important, Dave, because it can determine, you know, how high you're going to go in life. Coach, uh, thanks again for joining us. Why is preparation so important? When I started coaching, there's a great coaching mentor of mine. He told me this quote, the separation's in the preparation. Conflict can really help us grow. Oh, it's the greatest gift. If there is no conflict, there is no growth. Yeah. You need the conflict. You're only one decision away from a different life. Yes. Ooh, that's powerful. Yeah. And it can be a better life or it can be a worse that's life. Right. One decision. The greatest investment you could ever make is the investment you make in yourself. You're the one who will decide what you're going to do with the rest of your life. The more you put into life, the more you get out of life. Yeah, so that's, that's back there. Like I said, it's not for everybody, but there's always a few people that are really into personal growth and development. And we just kind of walk you through that. Let me give you the last, the last one. So first one was, number one point was what? You have the paper. You can do better than that. I'm giving you the answers. How could you fail? Number two, order your day. The third one, occupy your day. Occupy your day. What does that mean to occupy your day? It means wherever you're at, be all there. Be all there. Don't just watch the parade. Join it. Some people just sit and watch life, walk, the, walk past them. Other people get in there and make the most out of it. It's like giving someone a gift. I want, I, who are the people that just tear the paper off? Let me see your hands. If you just tear, okay, who are the careful people that take it off slow because you could reuse the paper, right? If you, I, I just rip it. Let's rip it open. Let's, let's enjoy. Let's make the most. If we're here, let's be all here. How many want to see uh, our church? How many want to see potential church flourish this year? See more people's lives change, more marriages restored, more. Yeah, I mean, we want to see great things happen. How do we do that? We do that by occupying, by getting involved, by being a part, by getting planted in the house of God. That's what the Bible says, that if you plant yourself in God's house, that your life would flourish. 
We all want to see our life flourish, our relationships flourish, our, our health flourish, our finances flourish. How do you do that? The Bible says it's, it's simple. You plant yourself in God's house. How do you plant yourself in the house of God? What does that really mean? I wrote a little book called Planted that just kind of explains that, that whole thing. But here's, here's how you do it. Here's how you plant yourself. Here's a couple of ways. I don't have time to go through all of them. But um, show up. See, some of them are real easy. Just come to church. You're doing a good job today. You're planting yourself by being here, bringing your family, planting yourself in the house of God. Another thing is to pray for your pastor. How many pray for your pastor on a regular basis? See, there needs to be a lot more hands. Pray for your pastor. Pray for his family. Pray for them as they're leading and directing and spiritually guiding our church. They need our prayers. They need our support. Pray for your pastors. Uh, uh, another, find a place to serve. Where can you get involved? Where can you serve here in the house of God? There's so many things we're doing to touch people. It's something that, about being connected, being served, getting a connect group. All those kind of things are, are helpful. Uh, another thing is to honor God with your giving, with your tithe and offering. That's what the Bible, that's, how many believe the Bible? Let me see if you believe the Bible. Okay, that's a little over half of you. And if you believe the Bible, it talks about honoring God with our tithe. That's what kind of makes this whole thing work. It's not really about money. I mean, yes, our tithe is bringing 10% of our income, but it's not really about money. God doesn't need your money. God owns everything. It's really about putting us in a place of trust or, or living a life of faith. I remember years ago, someone challenged me. They said, you can either live a selfish life or you can live a faith-filled life. You can live it according to what you want and your desires. You can live it according to God and his desires. We talked about a God-first life. And in the area of our finances, we have a, we have a choice to live a selfish life or a faith-filled life. And the, the choice is, is really pretty simple. Let me, let me just show you a quick example of, of what kind of I'm talking about. Uh, every one of us get a paycheck, right? Every week. Uh, we get a paycheck once a week, every two weeks, once a month. Let's just say this pie represents your, your paycheck. Right? Uh, some people's pies are bigger, some people's pies are smaller, but we all get a, a pie. And so when we receive that pie, well, we got a lot of stuff we need to do with that pie, right? So we get the pie and, and um, we start thinking of all we have to do. We, first, I got to take care of my mortgage or my rent, my house. I mean, we all got to take, we got to need a place to live. And, and that's a pretty big piece of the pie. I mean, you got insurance, man, that's a bigger piece of pie. That's, that's a big piece of pie. So I make a choice to, to take care of that because we want to make sure we're secure and we got a place a uh, roof over our head. And then, I mean, to, to go to work and make the money and do all that, I, I need a car. And, well, my wife needs a car too. Insurance, and I got, I got to take care of, I got to take care of the insurance. I got that take care of. And uh, uh, then I got my more, I got my uh, electric and my, my cable. And my goodness, that starts getting a big piece of the pie. I take care of all those things. So I, I, I make sure I take care of that. What else do we got? My cell phone. Got to have my cell phone. And call me on my cell phone. Um, got to have my cell phone. Got that. What else do we got? Oh, uh, I got some credit cards and oh, food. Want to eat. Got to do that. I mean, it starts adding up, doesn't it? All the stuff we got to take care of. I mean, uh, oh, then myself. <laughs> my goodness. I did all the work. I worked hard. I put in the time. I need to enjoy myself a little bit. And so I got myself, movies, maybe a dinner, something where I can enjoy myself. And it all starts adding up. We got all this stuff we got to take care of. And then, oh, God, got to honor God with that part. You know, he said, if you trust me, you bring back. So we give God his part. God, thank you. Oh, 
Here's a couple more pieces. God, thank you. You've been so good to me. You bless me. Everything I've got came from you. I wouldn't have anything if you didn't give it to me. Thank you, Lord. And, and here's, here's what's left. Here's some crumbs. Of, of th This is a selfish life. This is saying, God, I'm going to take care of all my stuff. And if there's anything left, the one that gave me everything, the fact that I woke up this morning, he gave me breath in my body. And I give him just, here's a little bit of what's left, God. This is a selfish life. It's saying, God, I put me first. But a faith-filled life, a faithful life is where I say, God, I put you first. I understand everything I've got came from you, so I trust you. And it takes faith to do this because when you think about that pie and you think about all the stuff you've got to do, it's, it can be a little intimidating. I remember when I started tithing, I started thinking about all this. How am I going to take care of what I've got after I pay all these bills? How am I going to give God anything? And that's where someone challenged me to live a faith-filled life, to say, God, I'm going to choose to put you first. In faith, that means I trust. I trust. So now we got our pie, right? Every one of us got our pie. And what I do with this pie in my faith-filled life is I say, God, I give you yours first. I remember my dad always telling me, you know, if you give God the 10% first, you'll find that the 90% will go a lot further than the whole 100%. And I thought, that doesn't make any sense at all, Dad. I don't know what you're talking about. But I say, okay, God, I'm giving your part first. I give God the 10%. Honor you. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you look at my pie, I've cut that first piece out, right? I've given God his part. What's amazing is what happens next. When you look at the pie now, do you notice from now on, everything I've got starts with God and it ends with God. Now God becomes the center of everything else I do. Now I find that God will bless this part more than all this because I've chosen a step of faith to put him first. What does that look like? I was thinking, you know, it's one thing. Hey, amen. It's one thing to have, have some pie, but I would rather have 90% of a pie that was blessed than 100% that wasn't. Look at that. When God pours his blessing, that pie gets so much better. That 90% is so much better. Not only does God bless your 90%, he blesses you in the process. Mm, that's good. And you enjoy the blessings of God. Then it says that his blessings will overflow your life. You start thinking about it. Then all of a sudden the blessings start coming on all the other parts of your life. And you'll find that this 90% will take you much further than the whole 100% by choosing to say, God, I put you first. It's a faith-filled life. How many choose to live a faith-filled life, not a selfish life? Of course that's our heart to do that. But yet it's choice. It's a choice to make that decision. It's a choice when it makes no sense in the natural to say, God, I'm going to put you first. But I found that that's where the faith part comes in and trusting that God will bless the rest. I'll close with this. Goodness, it's been 19 years ago that I was living in a little government assisted apartment, a little Section 8 housing. And someone challenged me to do this, to try this. He's the only place in the Bible God says, prove me or trust me or try it is in this area of our finances. And so they challenged me to try it for 90 days. And I started thinking, you know, if God's not telling the truth about this stuff, I mean, I want to find out now, right? I don't want to live my whole life trying to do all this stuff, get up to heaven. It's like a motel. He tricked me. I mean, he's either telling the truth or he's not telling the truth. If he's telling the truth, I want everything. How many want everything God's got for you? 
Yeah. And so I said, God, I'm going to try this. And I made a decision 19 years ago in that little apartment to put God first. I can tell you 19 years later, I don't have time to tell you the whole story and the testimony now, but I've never quit because I found out that God was true. Now, I'm not saying everything's been perfect the whole time, but my goodness, I found that God has always come through. As I've been faithful to him, he's been faithful to me. And I've chose to live a faith-filled life, to occupy, to make the most out of this life that I have, to follow the principles of God's word and to see the difference that it would make in my life. I challenge you, maybe you've never tried it before, this doesn't mean you don't love God, but I mean, we put God first in our life, in our heart. Why not put him first in our finances? Why not put him first in our relationships? Why not put God first in all these other areas of our life? Let me just pray for you uh, just before Tyler comes and closes. And, and I just want to pray a couple of prayers over your life. And then I hope to, I'd love to meet you. Hopefully you'll pick up a book. I'll be back there, sign books and say hello to you and you invest in yourself. But Father, I thank you as these heads are bowed. Two things. First thing, real quick, I'm going to look across the building just one time. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. When I look one time, you say, Dave, you know what? I have not been living a God-first life. In my heart, I have not put God first. Maybe you've never began a relationship, a journey with God, a relationship with his son, Jesus. You realize something's missing in your life. I never want to close a service without giving people an opportunity to make sure that their heart and their life is right with God. Maybe you're here and in the past you've done that, but you'd say, Dave, you know, I've allowed some other things to come before God. And God's not number one in my life, but today I'm going to make a decision. When I leave here, I'm leaving here living a God-first life. When I count to three, I'm looking one time. If that's you, you say, Dave, that's me. God's not first place in my life, but today I'm making a decision to, number one, put him there for the first time, or number two, to put him back there. When I leave here, pray for me when you pray that prayer. When I count to three, real quick, lift your hand. One two, three, all across the room. Let me see them real high. Father, I thank you for hands all across this room, many hands of people that say, you know what, I'm going to live a God-first life. You said if we'd believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is our Lord, we'd be saved. Uh, Lord, I thank you for people that say, God, I want to put you first place. I want to live my life after you. Father, I thank you for those people. Also, with your heads bowed, just for the last couple minutes of the message, I talked about that challenge that someone gave me 90 days to try this to, in the area of God first in my finances. I put him first in my life, but here in my finances, am I, am I putting God first in my finances? Am I living a faith-filled life with the first 10% going to God, the tithe back to him? As he promised in his word, he'd bless my life. Or am I living a selfish life, taking care of all of my stuff? And giving God the crumbs of what's left. Maybe you're here. Maybe that spoke to you. There's a few people I'd say, maybe God spoke to your heart. He won't condemn you, but he may convict you a little bit. You say, you know what, Dave? I've not lived a God-first life in my finances. I've not lived a, a God-first life when it comes to trusting him in the area of my giving. And I'm going to make a decision to do that. Try for 90 days. That's what I did. If it doesn't work, quit doing it. But what if it does work? I believe many of you will take that challenge and try it for the next 90 days. We'll be just like me, 19 years from now, 20 years from now, you'll be saying, I remember when I took that challenge, I never quit. I found out that God was true to do what he said he would do. With your heads bowed, I'm gonna count to three. If that's you, you say, Dave, that's me. You know what? Pray for me. I'm gonna take that challenge to live a God-first life in my finances. 
God's dealing with my heart. And I'm gonna, I want to live a faithful life in that area. When I count to three, just lift your hand real quick if you'll take that challenge. One, two, three. Let me see your hands real quick across the room. Real, real quick. Father, thank you for many hands across the room, up through the balcony. It, it doesn't mean we don't love you, but maybe in this area we haven't been as faithful as we should. But as we looked at this little simple illustration, many of us are making a decision today. God, I'm going to put you first in every area, in my finances, in my relationship, in my life. Lord, I thank you. At the end of the 90 days, there will be many of them. I never quit. God was true to do what he said he would do. Father, I thank you for that opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. God bless you. I hope to see you. Say hello to you in the back there.